right. Well, good morning. We are so excited you guys are here. Uh, we are excited to wrap up this series talking about parenting. Yeah. And uh, we are parents of a almost three-year-old, uh, three-and-a-half-year-old and almost two-year-old. Uh, and so we thought we would share some of our learnings as well as ultimately look to the scriptures for what God has to say about parenting as well as invite some friends of ours to come up in just a minute uh, who have traversed the parenting journey a lot farther than we have. Uh, done a very good job. They have a kid uh, that's a sophomore in college, one that's a junior in high school, and a middle schooler. Uh, so they've really done work, and they look great having walked through all of that. It's amazing. Whatever you're doing, keep doing it. Um, but we're excited. And ultimately, for um, the sake of our conversation this morning, we know that as we looked at the idea of family throughout this entire series, that we all have different experiences when it comes to our family. And especially as it comes to the idea of parenting, we all may be in different places as it relates to the conversation about parenting. Some of you might be brand new parents and the joy and excitement and the sheer terror uh, that has you know gripped you at certain points of the last few months perhaps has been amazing. And everybody told you to sleep while you can, but nobody told you to eat hot meals together. Right. Like yeah. that was the one thing that you didn't realize was going to go away. Or maybe you're in the teenage years and you're raising teenagers and it just feels like every step can be a challenge. Maybe you're in a space where uh, you just sent kids off to college and the idea of the empty nest and the new season of that is challenging. Or maybe for some of you in this room, like us, you have walked through seasons where you desired to become a family uh, and it's been really difficult for you. It's been challenging and it's been a delayed uh, story. And, and we want you to hear that we understand that. And that ultimately, as we talk about this today, um, whether you're a biological family, a foster family, an adoptive family, or a family figure, a parental figure in someone's life, when it comes to those of us that call ourselves followers of Jesus, actually all of us have a unique role to play in helping raise the next generation and leaving a legacy for the future of people as they grow up uh, in and around our life. Uh, and so for those of you that are raising kids, you're not raising children, you're raising future adults. And so we wanted to talk about that today and look to the scriptures. But I remember uh, when we were kind of thinking about starting a family and, and after about a year of it kind of taking longer than we thought and, and through that journey, we were at a conference and we heard a very, very intelligent uh, guy named Andy Stanley, he's way smarter than me, uh, talk about this. But he dropped this line that literally made us both sit back yeah. in our chair. And he said, the greatest contribution to the kingdom of God that you might make might not be something that you do, but someone that you raise. That the greatest contribution that any of us could make to the kingdom of God may not be anything that we do. It may not be, you know, serving anyway or, or, or preaching an incredible you know, series of messages, hypothetically. Uh, it may not be any of the gifts that we might have or money that we give. It may be a person that we influence as they grow up. And that that invitation is actually open to all of us. So you think about, like, someone was Billy Graham's parents. Like, someone was Andy Stanley's youth pastor. Like, and we think about how we can play a role in creating something and contributing to the kingdom of God. It may not be an it, it may be a who. And so, as we talk about parenting today, it's actually a much broader net than we might initially think. Yeah, and, you know, when we think about parenting, right, it's a pretty daunting uh, task that each and every day, those of you who are in the trenches with little ones, uh, every single day is an opportunity to display God's heart to them. Um, 
for the way we care for them, the way we speak to them, what we say and how we say it, right? Um, what we teach them, how we discipline them, uh, everything down to, you know, the decisions that we make for them when they're little. And then inevitably, the way that we empower them to make decisions for themselves as they grow. All of these are ways um, that if you've ever sat back and really let the, the gravity and the responsibility of parenting uh, sit on you, uh, it, it can be weighty. It can be daunting to think that no other human on the planet has the power and influence to shape your child the way that you do. Um, okay, so let's also pause and take a deep breath. While that is true, we also have the God of the universe on our side. We also have a God that could not be more for you, could not be more for your child, who has poured out his grace, not only for them, but for us as parents as well. And that this God loves them even more than you do, right? There are days when, you know, parenting kind of beats you down and you have to realize, wow, God, you love these children more than I do. Um, you have given me everything that I need to raise them, to, to raise them up, uh, to love and become all of who God, you've created them to be. And so uh, we wanted to kind of start off today just talking about this initial charge, this initial encouragement that comes right from the heart of the Father. And in this earliest tribe of God's people, right, the nation of Israel, the tribe of Israel, they had uh, this phrase, this mantra that was like seared into their very souls from when they were young all the way growing up. And it was this uh, in Deuteronomy 6, uh, verse 5. Uh, you can turn there in your Bibles uh, to page 87 or uh, you can follow along on the screens, we're going to read this together. But um, verse 5 starts out saying this, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your might. Right? Later on in the Gospels as Jesus came and lived, uh, this was actually something that Jesus reiterated as the great commandment. Right? And we go on to say, you know, this, this phrase was called the Shema in Hebrew. It was this phrase that carried such weight, such significance. This was like breathing to the Jewish people of the day. And then it goes on in verse uh, 6 to say this, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you should talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You see, these words, not only was this command, these, this mantra, this mission spoken into the hearts of these people, but then the heart of God says, and weave this into the very fiber of your life. Weave this into the rhythm of everything you do, everything you say. When you're getting up in the morning, when you're going down at bed, post it up on your house. You see, the, the invitation here that I think as God speaks this to the heart of his people, the thing that Jesus affirms later on as the great, uh, greatest commandment, is also true of us and how we parent and how we raise our children. In that we have an opportunity everyday church, uh, to create spiritual connections to the natural rhythm of your family's life. And so some of this is in like the obvious things like driving to school in the morning, having dinner at night, during bath time with your little ones or as you're tucking them in. All of these normal, natural moments can be supernatural, spiritual moments where we can tie our hearts to their hearts, to the heart of God, all in this beautiful moment. And sometimes it's in beautiful moments and sometimes... Honestly, uh, it's in the not-so-beautiful <laughs> moments as well. Um, just to share with you to hopefully break the tension in the like, <gasps> oh my gosh, this is a big deal. Just this week, man, 
um, it was Thursday, Thursday afternoon. Uh, we were at home and uh, the kids were wanting to help out. They were wanting, my kids are three and a half and, and two, almost two, as Kurt said. So Selah takes a lot of pride in getting to help and have responsibility. And so she wanted to water the plants in the house. And so we got her little watering can, we filled it up, set her on her way, and she's, you know, walking not so carefully along the wood floor and, and spills some of the water, like a big spill, kind of makes a big puddle on the floor. And in this moment where she was, had so much pride and so much excitement about helping out around the house, in my frustration and in my shortness and in my not paying attention uh, to a beautiful moment, I cut down and said, Selah, gosh, be careful, babe. You're spilling water all over the place. And it wasn't so much just what I said, because, yes, she needs to learn to not spill water. But the way I said it just knocked her pride, knocked her excitement down a couple notches. I saw just my baby girl, like, man, I saw her countenance shift, her body, her head sank. And it was right in that moment that I'm like, oh, gosh, dang it. And then, lo and behold, comes Leighton running across in all of his two-year-old glory, slips on the water. He falls down, like bangs his head on the floor, so he's crying. And in my frustration and fear again, I'm like, gosh, Selah, see, this is why we don't spill the water. Oh, man, my own heart just sank in that moment of like, man, I doubled down. I cut her down even lower, and it just made my heart sink. So Leighton's crying, Selah's crying. I'm crying. It's this like horrible moment of just everything falling apart. But even in that moment of just like epic mom fail, I just sat on the floor with them. In those moments where you're like, I got two toddlers crying. What do you even do? You just cry too. Um, and God invited me into this moment to say, you know what? You're not going to get it perfect all the time. And even those moments, even the mom fail moments, even the dad fail moments are even an opportunity for my voice to cut through. And so in my moment of just feeling like a horrible mom, <laughs> I said, Selah, baby, mommy is so sorry. I'm not going to be a perfect mommy. I should not have yelled at you. I should not have gotten mad at you. I apologize. That was wrong. Will you forgive me, baby? And of course, in all the grace of a three-year-old, she's like, yeah, mommy, I forgive you. Um, and then we just had a moment where I said, okay, can you help me? Can we pray together? Can we ask God to, to give mommy some patience and to give all of us, you know, a do-over? And so we did just that. We sat and we prayed and my three-year-old and my two-year-old said amen. And I was still crying in that moment. But it was such a beautiful reminder that kids don't need a perfect mom. They don't need a perfect dad. They need us to model what it looks like to do this faith journey, to depend on Jesus, to need grace, to apologize the times that we don't get it right, and to show that we're human too. And that even mommies and daddies have to learn the hard way sometimes. Yeah, and that not only should take the pressure off, but also invites us all into a new journey. Because people will watch and learn more from when we get it wrong than when we get it right. And, and your kids, for those of you that are raising kids, they're going to watch how you handle conflict. They're going to watch how you handle failure. They're going to watch how you ask for forgiveness. And I think... It's crazy to think about the fact that we it can get stuck in this idea of Jesus as, oh, he's the son of God, savior of the world, which is true. But to think that Jesus was raised by a family, that like the son of God had earthly parents. Imagine that for a second. Like, you think it's hard enough raising your kids. Imagine raising a perfect child. Some of you are like, that sounds great at first. And then you think about it. When you get in an argument with your kid, they're always right. 
like, what do you do in that moment? You got nothing. And then poor James, the younger brother of Jesus, like imagine being the second child after the actual perfect older brother. Um, you know, we think about Jesus' family growing up, right, and, and that he was raised as this perfect sinless son of God by two sinful, flawed, figuring it out, young human parents. Like, that's a crazy, crazy idea. And yet God entrusted Mary and Joseph with Jesus. And God entrusted your kids to you. And it wasn't an accident. It wasn't a mistake. That God actually believes in you just like he believed in them. And as we read through the Gospel of Luke, Luke was this guy that interviewed a bunch of people, probably interviewed Mary, was like, okay, real talk. Like, this is the TMZ version of the Bible. How did it really go raising Jesus? Like, give me the behind the scenes. And then writes it down. And I can imagine, just like you shared your mom Phil story, she might have shared this story, that one time they're going on family vacation, right, and they went to Jerusalem because they're good Jewish people, and so that was family vacation slash religious right moments. And they're, they're coming to the temple and they spend time there. And then they start going back to their hometown. And they're, you know, you're, you might have a Dodge caravan. They're in an actual ca- you know, camel caravan. Um, there's no rear view mirrors. And they're three days out. And they realize they left their son. Like I feel you a thought, whole lot better Yeah, you about thought you story. messed up. Like you didn't leave your kid. Like this is the original Home Alone moment, right, where you just sit up and you're like, Jesus. <laughs> It's still in Jerusalem. Like, and you have this moment where, like, they have to turn back and go back to the temple. And Mary gets in, and, of course, she's freaking out. It's like, what are you doing? Why aren't you listening? Come with us. And Jesus, kind of snarky, right? Young Jesus says, didn't you know where I'd be? I'd be hanging here. Like, come on, Mom. And, and I love that we get to see that little sliver of insight into the fact that Jesus had to grow up. And the Bible says actually in Luke 2.52 that Jesus increased in both wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. That he not only grew up physically and got bigger, but he also grew in wisdom. He grew in awareness. He grew in a sense of learning how to engage with God and engage with other people. So much so that when he repeats this passage from Deuteronomy 6 and says, this is the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. That this idea of a relationship with God is one based on love. And then he says that we would actually love other people in the same way that those are connected. That you and I show our devotion to God by how we treat other people, including those in our family. That Jesus chose to be so much in the human experience, so deeply and fully that he jumped in to be like you and me so that we could relate to him. That he was a child of an earthly family that didn't get it right all the time. And what this shows us is that while we can have all of these great ideas, we have the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God, we see that throughout the family of Jesus and in our own experience that we actually need a tribe when it comes to raising our child. That you are not meant to be a parent alone. And, and sometimes parenting can feel extraordinarily lonely. Like you went from being out on the town, just the two of you, to now your world is so scheduled and regimented and you're stuck in your house, right? And you have that feeling, who is in this with me? And yet I would encourage you that as we look at these stories and as we look at our own life, we can't do this alone. We actually need other people to instill courage in us, to inspire us, to pray for us, and to sometimes simply say, I get it. Remember, Mary left her kid on vacation. You're doing okay. You're doing okay. But we need a tribe when it comes to raising our child. Yeah, yeah. And, and the truth is, is that this church 
our hope and our desire is that this church can be that tribe. When you think about who has my back, who's in my corner, who's cheering me on, who gets it. We want one of the first instincts to be like, the church. The church is my partner. The church is my tribe. And uh, the truth is, um, you know, we were, we were talking about this, and Kurt and I were student pastors uh, for four years, and, you know, we've done family ministry and kid ministry and, and student ministry. It's, it's just kind of in us. And uh, the statistic that, you know, a lot of people that do church work professionally, um, a lot of studies have showed that the average uh, church attender, if you're on the more, you know, committed side, your kids might spend on average about 40 hours a week, uh, not a week, 40 hours uh, a year here at church in an environment that is designed to help partner with you to help create uh, an environment where they'll hear about Jesus, where they'll grow, they'll be nurtured and cared for. Uh, but that's just 40 hours a year. You know, maybe 50, maybe 60 if they came to summer camp with us this summer. That kind of notches it up a bit. Right? But 40 hours a year. Compare that to how many hours they'll spend in math class a year. Uh, 240 hours that they'll spend in a classroom. Six times in math. Yeah. Yeah. 240 hours in math class, and then compare that to how many hours they'll spend at home with mom and dad during the waking hours, so like the quality time hours, 3,000 hours that they will spend at home with you. And so we as a church, when we kind of look at those numbers, we're like, wow, we would be foolish to not say, okay, how can we make sure that these 40 hours that we have with them on a given year, how do we make sure that we are leveraging those 40 hours into the 3,000 that you as parents will spend with them, doing the daily routine, getting up in the morning, taking baths, getting ready for school, driving to activities, all of those moments that can be spiritually shaping moments in the life of your child. Um, and so to help that really sink in a little bit, we, want, we did a little bit of math and a little bit of counting. You're probably wondering why we just really love Skittles. Um, but these um, jars are here uh, to give us a visual of what it would look like. Um, each one of these Skittles represents one hour that your child uh, might spend here at church on a given Sunday. Uh, we hope, we do a lot of things to try and make sure that this is the best hour of their week. So if you have a newborn, anyone with newborns in the room, uh, if you have a newborn, uh, you have about 927 weeks with your child before they grow, graduate from high school, and potentially move out of the house. 927 weeks. Those of you with newborn babies, I see you in the back. <laughs> for those of you with a kindergartner, anyone just send a, a kindergartner off to, to school this week for the first time? All right, uh, parents of kindergartners, you have 667 Sundays left with your child. Whew, 667. Uh, those of you with a sixth grader, uh, any sixth graders in the house tonight, this morning? Those of you with sixth graders, you have 355 weeks left with your sixth grader. Man. And then last but not least, any of you uh, high school seniors in the room? Anyone with high school seniors? Uh, you have 43 weeks left before your high school, <laughs> before your high school senior graduates. And fingers crossed, depending on 
where you're at in your heart right now uh, before your senior uh, goes off or moves out of the house. Now, some of you are like crying. I know for me, I'm like, okay, we're somewhere in between these two jars, so I'm not feeling the full weight of, of all the feels quite yet. But hopefully, this puts it into perspective a little bit of how many opportunities you have left uh, to be investing, to be building some of this consistent rhythm into the life of your family. And uh, that's why we're so passionate about investing in the next generation. You know, Crystal, who leads our kids' life, she does such an amazing job. And she's excited about some changes that we have coming up uh, in kids' life this uh, September. In fact, we're switching to a new uh, curriculum, a new strategy called Orange uh, that many of you parents will be finding out a little bit uh, more about in the coming uh, weeks ahead. But this is so much more than just about what we're teaching about the kids, but it's a huge mindset shift. She's so excited to, to find new and exciting ways of equipping you parents, giving you new tools, new ways of saying, okay, here's what your kids are learning on a Sunday, and here are some ways that you can take for the rest of the six days of the week, ways that you can intentionally reiterate what they're learning here on Sundays. In fact, um, we wanted to share with you guys one cool way uh, that you can download this app. It's called Parent Q, and it actually syncs up with the curriculum that we're going to be teaching kids on a weekly basis. So you can uh, screenshot this. You can download it. It's a free app, uh, and it will actually send you reminders. It will send you posts and things that you can be uh, knowing, okay, here's a prayer to pray with your kids tonight. Here's a conversation or a question to ask them on the drive to school. Here, you know, and it gives you some prompts some ways that you can engage with them throughout the week. And so we're really excited because as a church, we know you need a tribe when it comes to raising your tribe. And so we want to give you as many tools and many ways uh, to do that as possible. Yeah, because we want to empower you as parents to take advantage of those moments that you have. And just because your child goes off to school or goes off to get the job or moves out, doesn't mean your influence is over, but it certainly changes. It certainly changes. And so because we are parents of younger children, we thought this would be a great week to actually invite some people who know what it's like, who have over the years walked maybe thousands of people through the process of sending their kid to college, have walked through it in their own journey as well. Uh, Kyle and Wendy Minig are incredible leaders that lead a uh, non-for-profit here in San Diego called 210. But before that, they were on uh, staff with Crusade, Campus Crusade for Christ crew now, uh, at UC Santa Barbara and here in San Diego. They were our campus ministry leaders when Woo! we were little freshmen going to college. And now they have their own child in college. So would you do me a favor and welcome up to the stage Kyle and Wendy Hello, hello, humans. Hi it's good guys. to be here. Hello, humans. Welcome. It's good to have you here. Thank you. Thank We'd you. love for you guys to just take a minute and tell us a little bit more about 210, just your hearts for young people and sort of what you've learned over the years of what this next generation, even looking at this generation now, of how it might be different for young people who are yeah. kind of on this precipice of college and young adulthood. Share a little bit yeah, with no, us. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, so 210, I mean, we were on staff as campus ministers for about 20 years. And then we just realized, like, we just wanted to give a little more focus to a few things. And so we started our own ministry called 210 based on Ephesians 210, where God is telling us, you know, hey, you're my masterpiece, and I've created a path full of good works. And we just realized, I think part, in some ways, the problem we were looking at was people often feel stuck 
Like they're not sure, they may be so afraid of taking a wrong step, they don't take a step down their path, so to speak. Or maybe they feel like they're drifting. And so we wanted to kind of dig into that. And specifically, at least right now, a lot of our energy is going towards helping students and their families with that transition from high school to college. And so obviously, again, it's kind of this book that we wrote as just a guidebook to help them specifically in that time frame of juniors and seniors in high school and how to get ready for college um, in terms of connecting what they do with what's important to them. And the sneaky part about that is, right, we all need that kind of focus and reminder that there's things that you value and, and you're unique. And so how can you make choices to really pursue those things intentionally? So that's kind of what we're about with 210. I think I'll let you speak more. Yeah, um, this generation is um, a generation that has grown up a little slower than the generation before it, and it's probably true of every generation, but I would encourage parents what this generation really needs to take that next step as they're approaching adulthood is to really have some time face-to-face -face with other people. They're, they miss out on that when they're on their screens a lot, but particularly they need it in um, just some soft life skills. They need to get out there and they need to meet people and have those kind of skills. But we as parents need to push them to do that. We need to encourage them to get out there and experience things. Um, our daughter, our oldest daughter, was at a bro-am and called me because she couldn't find her car. And I'm in Oceanside and she wants me to help her find her car. I'm like, how am I gonna do that? And she has 1% left and she needs to be at work and she wants me to solve this problem for her and it's not my problem to solve. And so those are the things that we need to kind of coach them through it, but they need to be problem solvers that where they can do that on their own. Yeah, I like that. Just solving problems and helping them figure out what the consequences are because they're gonna be facing that over and over, especially when they move away from home. You guys, I'd love to hear a little bit from you. Um, what has been some of your hardest and some of your best parenting lessons over the years? Okay, um, well, that's a good one. I'll start with one of the highlights for me, I think, was I was at a conference and we had our kids with us at the conference, but they were in what we used to joke as child scare, um, child care. And we were a break from our meeting though and I looked out at this field and I could see all the kids playing and stuff. And I saw our son, who at the time was probably like four or five, and he was kind of alone doing what he called hand motions, where he would live out what was kind of in his brain, little stories of Indiana Jones or whoever. And I remember watching him and just, I felt an incredible stoke is the only way to describe it. I was just full of joy watching him be him, okay? So hold on to that thought. And my immediate, though, immediately it felt like God was nudging me saying, Kyle, why do you think it's any different between me and you? This idea that I'm watching you be you and I get excited and, and stoked, Kyle, when I watch you be yourself. Why do you keep comparing yourself to others and you know, kind of letting that shame of not doing things right, in quotes, hold you back from how I've created you? Um, so that's the positive side of that. The negative side of that is I'm realizing even with my son Carter, I don't extend to him that same kind of grace and kindness and patience that God has with me. So he's designed a certain way that's different than me. And so how can I really, you know, believe God for that and, and, and walk Carter through those things that make him unique? Because there's struggles. I mean, to be honest, I mean, we have, you know, three kids. Two of them are really enjoying a, a relationship with God and one of them's not. And so what does that say about me and my parenting? And, and am I able to trust God for that where I choose to stay engaged? Um, 
so that that person, you know, our child that's not walking with God right now is just realizing that I'm for them and with them through this process. Sure. I would just add that um, I think we all have hopes and dreams for our kids. And the hardest thing in parenting that I've had to learn is letting my dreams die. You know, whether it's, oh, I wanted to be a soccer mom and then you never have a kid who plays soccer, you know, kind of thing. Or, you know, we all have a picture of what the future is going to be. And God created them to be them. And so to kind of let the things that I had hoped for or expected kind of fall away and really embrace and enjoy who God created them to be. And that has been probably the hardest thing for me as a parent. So with that, like, how have you, what are some of the ways that you've guided them as it comes to, like, the idea of spirituality? How how have you guided them uniquely individually through the years or through the seasons of growing up? And then how has the church or, or broader ministry family been an asset to you guys? Um, the different ages, you know, when they were little, it was just all stories. As they get older, um, you know, I, I loved the Deuteronomy verse in that it talks about, you know, kind of doing life along the way. And I would say spending time, you know, talking about things in the car has been really big for us because you don't have to be as emotional. You can both be looking different ways, but you can talk about deep things. And, um, but keeping the lines of communication open to whatever age they are, talking to them where they're at has been super important. And asking them follow-up questions instead of um, just talking to them about what you think, asking them where they're at and getting to respond and continuing to ask follow-up questions has uh, over the years been the most helpful because you watch them develop and change their ideas and it gives you the opportunity to take the time to speak to each idea that's kind of forming. That's funny because it feels serendipitous, but I mean, uh, you should have been always thinking like, oh my gosh. <laughs> but part of what they've created are these things called guides. Um, and they're really short kind of booklets for each grade and then age groups before grades, right? But it helps give you just a few, I would call them edible ideas like maybe four things in the whole guidebook to check in with your child during that year. And, and that consistency is going to help you connect with them again, kind of more where they're at rather than where you think they should be at. Because there's that whole thing, you got to say it slowly, like I'm not here to should on you, right? <laughs> um, so you got to say it real slow, otherwise it scares people, right? And you guys are going to write letters. But Classic. we can still, feel still that. using that line. I know. I it never, it never dies. Freshman year right. in college, yep. But there's that pressure, right? We can feel a pressure as parents of where our kids should be at and what they should be doing. And and that's a it's, it's destructive because you start feeling a shame about that then if, if they're not where they should be. What role has, uh, you know, the church or the faith community played um, for you guys? How has that affected your parenting? Yeah, I mean, I'll start. I think for us it's, it's kind of made the difference in a lot of ways because of that pressure you can feel. To be able to do life and share life with people that are kind of in the same boat, it's been incredibly helpful because there are those times you just naturally aren't feeling much courage yourself or you feel fear or scared for where your kids are at or what you're experiencing and how you might be impacting your kids. And so to be able to put that on the table with people and it's, you know, I'd say this, like God in some ways reparents us while we're at church. We've all grown up with things where we're kind of missing areas. And so if you only come like and sit in rows like this, that's great. You're going to get some um, 
you know, learning and some experiences are going to help you grow. But being in a circle with folks where you can put it on the table and experience God's love through others directly, it can make all the difference. And so that's been huge, huge for us. I love that idea of God reparenting us. Yeah. Sorry, Anita. Um, when earlier in our marriage, when our kids were young, it was easier. We were missionaries, and so our community lived life with us, and they were around a lot of people of faith a lot. But as we've moved on, um, they've had less of that, less of that, and so we've had to be very intentional um, to create that forum or to provide that forum. And so I would say definitely be in a life group and be intentional about the people that are around you and allowing those people to pour into your kids. So good. Any last words as we wrap up of encouragement to parents? We've got people all across the spectrum at different ages. And totally. What would you encourage them with? Yeah, I mean, and realizing some of you might not be parents, but, again, you might play an influential role in people's lives. You could be the trunkle, right, the crazy uncle or something <laughs> like that. So... Wherever you are, just that idea of be intentional is what I would say. Um, again, because it's not just that it's in our book, but the idea that you're choosing to do things that matter to you. So when you can show up for a younger person's life, you don't know how important that conversation could be or just giving them time where you let them talk and you don't have the great response or quote unquote the answers. But just the fact that you're the person that shows up consistently can make all the difference for somebody. Um, I think that'd be a good one. And then I think there could be that fifth jar that's missing where when the kids come back after college ah. and you just keep adding more to a jar. So adding this. Yeah, like in the 20s That's a whole other sermon. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> Maybe a whole series. And wait, you might have something. I don't want to. Let's not end on that. Wendy, please save us. Okay, great. Um, I've often thought that that God did something wrong when he gave me my three kids, um, that it wasn't a good fit. And somebody reminded me a few years ago that I am exactly the perfect parent for those kids. And I kind of, you know, wrestle against that a little bit, but it's true. And although I feel inadequate and ill-equipped, um, in Second Peter, he says that he has given us everything we need to live a holy life and to live a life that pleases him. And so... Um, that's true with parenting. He's given us everything we needed. And so we need to be about finding those things and pursuing that and uh, walking in the power of the Holy Spirit and stopping and asking God to help us in this parenting venture because he's already given it to us. We just have to access it. That's the ending we need. That was good. Thank you. Yes. Good. Hey, can we thank them? And before you go, uh, you mentioned this, but this is the book that you guys wrote called College Bound. Uh, and so if you are a junior or senior in high school heading to college, or if you have a junior or senior in high school heading to college, we actually have a copy of this for you as a gift at the Welcome Center on your way out. So you can grab it. Uh, if you are not in the, one of those categories, they can buy it on your website. And yeah, for sure. Yeah. That'd be good. So can we thank them one more time? Thank you guys so much for being here. So wonderful. Well, um, we also wanted to give you all just an opportunity to uh, take some, some practical exercises home with you when it comes to parenting, when it comes to going a little bit deeper in just your un own understanding of who God has wired you to be, who he's created you to be as a mom, as a dad, uh, as a grandparent, uh, someone who plays a crucial role in the life of a child. And so uh, the, in the seat back in front of you, you can t grab this, take it home, maybe uh, tonight after the kids 
kids go to bed or on your next date night. Uh, let this just be some exercises that you could do uh, on your own to envision what what the end goal would be. Uh, we also have a section there for you to walk through some of your values. I know top CEOs and, and people who lead corporations make the big bucks crafting mission statements and value statements and coming up with strategies uh, to make money, to make businesses uh, thrive and successful. So, But how much more important is it for us to come up with a mission and values and ways that we can set up our family to thrive? So we have a little section there uh, for you to craft uh, a mission statement or a mantra as a family. And then just some more uh, questions to help you reflect and take some next steps. And we truly want this to be something that spiritually uh, brings out some great conversations in your own home because your growth and your transformation as parents is crucial. Uh, as you're investing in yourself, you're able to invest even more into your kids. Yeah, and like Kyle and Wendy said, like getting in a group for yourself and having people pour into you, it's not just about your kids, but it's about who you're becoming in the process. And so to that end, we would for you. Uh, we would love to pray for you. Whether you're a biological parent, a foster parent, adoptive parent, or you're a parent figure, or whether you're serving in the next generation ministry to this church or somewhere else. And so if you're able, I'd like to invite you to stand as we wrap up our message time and lead into a time of worship, simply to ask the God of the universe to empower and encourage you in whatever role, parenting-like role that you might play as you influence the next generation, not of children, but of future adults and how you pour into them and how God might use you to make a radical impact and contribution to the kingdom of God, not by something you do, by someone that you raise or someone that you invest in. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I do, I ask that you would be speaking life and truth into the hearts of parents in this room. Parents that might feel fatigued, parents that might feel overworked or overwhelmed, parents that might feel confused or, or struggling or lost, or those that have sent kids off to college or people have moved out of their home and they're dealing with a new season. God, whatever stage of parenting they might be at, God, would you as our good, good father, would you speak life into their soul? Would you speak encouragement? Would you speak hope and peace and joy? And as we leave today, as we worship you, Yahweh God, the one who looks on us and is stoked and is joyful because you see us being us, may we remember you have not made a mistake. You have given us our children. You have given us the roles we play in other people's lives, not by accident, but on purpose. And help us to be intentional. Help us to find the resources that we need so that we can live a life worthy of what you've called us to. And so, God, we're grateful. Thank you for speaking to us today. Thank you for the challenge and the encouragement. God, we love you. We sing and worship you now. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.
inside us whispers a sound of your name. Holy, holy is the Lord, worthy to be praised. Yeah.